Hey, we're really, really grateful that you're here this morning, and um, we're hoping that you're getting some food and some coffee, and you're settling the talkativeness so that we can all um, hear from a really great speaker this morning. So, it's always fun to try to get the attention of a room full of women. Trying to think how I can wrap the announcements to make it more something you want to listen to. Hey, um, in all seriousness, next month we get to hear from Millie Hale on discipline, and we encourage you to bring your spouse if they can come to that one. That's a great one to bring your husbands to. Um, And this month we get to hear from Allison here in just a little bit, but we are all still kind of coming in. I don't know about y'all, but it's been, it's been kind of a hairy Friday morning and a little bit crazier, and we want to settle everybody's nerves and calm everybody's hearts and give you a chance to eat some food and chit-chat with women and get to know the people that are sitting at your tables and get to know your table leaders. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do that here in just a minute. Um, I just want to share real quick something that the Lord put on my heart this week with my kids and something that you can actually do with your own kids if they are of the age of understanding and communication, if you're already there. Um, We have eaten a lot of fast food in the Cisco house lately, a lot, like a lot. It's real kind of embarrassing how much fast food we've been inhaling and mostly due to sporting events and schedules and all that kind of thing and we're normally a sit-down family, but it's kind of been like throw, throw them food in the back seat and keep on going kind of a couple of weeks. And I think that any time that you're in a season like that, it can also kind of be a spiritually dry season for your family. So um, something to just think about is tying those two things together. Like this is just kind of the season we're in. And so I just chatted with my kids a little bit the other day about the fact that, hey, if we ate fast food for the rest of our lives, it would be disgusting. Like we would probably die soon because we can't live off fast food and our bodies were never intended to live off this kind of food. And for that to be what we do all of the time, it's okay every now and again. And we just talked a lot about how that can be true with our prayer life and how we talk to God. It's okay to have those days where we are kind of throwing up prayers and praying real quick throughout the day, but we really need some good intentional time with the Lord to communicate with him and to spend time praising him and thanking him. And um, we just kind of drew a connection between fast food and like real sit down meals and our time with the Lord and how it's okay to have those days where our prayers to the Lord are quick, but we don't want to live on it like that. We want our prayer life to be rich and deep and meaningful. And so if that's you and you're in that stage of life, let's at least turn something negative into a positive and make it something that our kiddos can um, grasp onto and take home with them um, and be encouraged by. So you guys, we're going to have Allison come up in just a little bit. She's going to speak on identity today and she's going to crush it and you're going to be encouraged and leave here um, just feeling really motivated and encouraged to reclaim that area of your life. So look at those lovely ladies next to you. Ask them how they're Friday is going, how many diapers they've already changed this morning, and then um, we'll come back in just a minute. Okay, ladies, <laughs> I'm like excitedly nervous to be here with y'all, and I, um, I had a dream the other night that 15 people showed up, and I was like, what do you do then? Do you stand on the stage, or do you just like sit around, go move to the couches, you know? And I was playing that out in my head, and, and there's not 15 people here today. Um, so glad you're here though, but it does kind of, okay. Um, we got to pray ladies just to make it today. Um, another quote from a song. Anybody? 
Kirk Franklin, a little action there. It just comes out, y'all. Okay, let's pray. Um, beloved Father, uh, when I get nervous, I cry, and <laughs> this is what I do. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to um, present your truth today, Lord, just the things that you have been teaching me and unpacking in my own life. And Lord, I pray with all that I am that um, I would decrease and you would increase and that your words would um, be proclaimed. And so thank you for this opportunity. I'm humbled. And I thank you for every single face in this room. Um, Thank you they're here. And Lord, we pray they walk away nurtured, encouraged, strengthened, and trained. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, So, you know, this is not a normal experience for me. And so um, there's been a, I've known about this since, oh, March, that this topic would be mine and and this would be me here, and, and I don't do this. And I know lots of people that do this for a living, and two folks in my community group all the time, this is what they do to thousands. And this isn't thousands, this is hundreds still, huge. And it's like, you know, so I've been collecting all this, you know, I knew this topic, and personally, this is a topic that the Lord has been working on in me for the last three years. It's something He's been refining and teaching me and, and showing me and helping me reclaim. And... um. And so, you know, I'm piling all these notes. I'm listening to these amazing sermons and Matt Chandler and Todd Wagner and John Piper and Jonathan McClure and John Elmore and all these folks that do this. And, and they're awesome at communicators. And I'm listening to this. I, have, I, I kid you not, y'all, it's probably 30 to 40 pages worth of notes I had taken. And I'd just been putting them in this document. And so about a month ago, I, I told my community group girls, like, so this doesn't, like, rule my life because I tend to let things rule my life that are important to me. Um, I'm going to dedicate, you know, Tuesday nap time for my, with my youngest. That's going to be the days I'd, I sit down and I do this. And so Tuesdays I would sit down and I'd come through all this stuff. And y'all, I'm not kidding you. Like up until, what is today? Friday. So Tuesday night, I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like there's, I have 30 pages of notes and and this is a simple topic, but it's not. Like, at the same time, identity, it's who you are. Period. Done. Go home. You know? Like, it's, it's simple, but it's not. And so I'm, like, struggling. And I kid you not, Wednesday, like, it was one of those days where, um, like, I started diving into it. And I thought I had an outline. And I sat down to practice. And I'm like, none of this is me. Like, I don't even know what I'm saying. Like, I'm I, I just none of this. And so anyways, I... Um, Worked on my kids. Sweet friend brought my big kids home from school to me, and um, and I said, guys, good. Guess what? Tonight's a great night. We're already done with our homework. No practices tonight. Um, Daddy's working late. Like today is it's free choice night. You can do whatever you want. And what do they want to do? Watch TV. And I said, great. What do you want to watch? And they're into Odd Squad. It's a PBS Kids. I have. I'll, I'll get to this, but I have older kids too, and a three year old. And so I'm like, great. All around, everyone loves Odd Squad. They binged on it, y'all, like five shows in a row. I'm over there thinking and da-da-da-da, and it's like six-something, and my oldest comes over, Mommy, I'm really hungry. And I said, I'm sure you are, baby. And I said, thank you so much for just understanding, um, being understanding tonight, and Mommy's not, I'm a mom too. I'm just like y'all. I'm like, thank you for letting me um, just have a pass tonight. And, um, and I go, I'm speaking to this group of women on Friday, 200 women, about who we are in Christ and how that, that matters and, and how that affects everything, and it should. And I start preaching at him, and I'm practicing, right? And he goes, oh, Mommy, that sounds really hard. I'm like, yeah, it is, you know? And he goes, 
but can you show me how to make a fried egg? And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm still a mom. Let's go make a fried egg. And who wants cereal? You know, let's hear it for cereal. And, you know, anyways. And then I was up till midnight, y'all. And I'm just like, oh, I can't make sense of it. And that's when I was like, the Lord's like, go to bed, go to bed. And so I go to bed and I'm like, Lord, I know you've got this. I know you'll go before me and I know you have something to say. I know you're in control and you have ordained this time, but what am I supposed to say? And and I'm not kidding you. I woke up this morning, five hours later, early. My husband gets up at 5.30. So when he was arming off, my mind was like, bing, and was going. And I just was like, he's like, say, say what you would say if these girls were in your living room. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And so I sat down. And I'm not kidding you all. In like two hours, it was like all of it came out. And the PowerPoint was made. And the handout was done. And bam, you know, it was over. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And um, for just allowing me. Anyway, so there you have it. And this is, this is how I am. So I'm sorry if you're like, oh my gosh, she is everywhere. Um, welcome to your next hour. Okay, so let's get started. Today we're reclaiming our identity. I'm pumped about this. If you can't tell, if I'm yelling at you, I'm not angry. Um, even though my kids sometimes think I get, I'm not, I'm just excited. So um, my name's Allison Treadaway. And the next picture is my precious little people um, eventually here. Uh, my precious little folks. There we are. Okay, so that's my hubby, uh, Marshall. We've been married for a little over 10 years. We met at Texas A&M. Whoop. Um, and then, <laughs> this is just my people, y'all. My, the, the neon guy that you can't miss, that's Parker. He's now seven and a half, and he is all that right now. He's in this, like, trying to figure out what's cool and thinking he's cool and yeah, um, so that's him. He's in second grade. That picture kills me. Anyways, um, Callie, Elsa right there, um, she's five and a half. She's in kindergarten. And uh, my sweet friend made me this placard that says, um, I just love to smile. Smiling's my favorite. And that's a quote from Elf. Do you see guys in my head constantly? Quotes from movies and songs. Um, and that's her. She's always, like, she can see the flower through the storm. Or what's this phrase? The tree through the storm? Whatever. She can see the flower in everything. Like, everything. The other day, where I decided to walk the kids to school. My big kids are in elementary school. They live, like, the school's 10 houses down. It doesn't sound like it's very far. But it is. When you're like, oh, it's raining a little bit. But it doesn't look bad. We'll throw on all our rain boots and umbrellas. Long story short, let's just say it was not. It was like tornado winds. It was so windy. So that meant the drizzle was coming like this. And I have one umbrella thinking, yeah, we'll just walk. But when the rain's coming sideways and I'm this tall, my two-year-old's getting drenched. And my seven and a half-year-old, like he actually cares about his hair that day because it was crazy hair day. So it's mom, my hair. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, but we're trudging on. And Callie's just do, 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 like going along because she has her own umbrella. So she's unaware. So that's her. Like, she's just joyful. Like, oh, this is an adventure. And I'm like, it sure is. Oh, where's the car? Okay, and that's Callie. And then Tucker's three. Almost next week. Oh, my baby is three. And I have to tell you guys, I think about you all the time. Um, we know this audience. We, we constantly are surveying this group. 75% of you guys, that's almost all of you, have a toddler and a newborn of some state, zero to 12 months, right? Everyone's like, yeah, that's me. Okay, so I think about you all the time because I'm not in that stage anymore. <laughs> I think about you all the time because I love it. I love my babies. I loved, I loved, I loved being a mom, and it was a privilege. It's an honor to be able to be pregnant, carry a baby, and birth that baby. Don't get me wrong, but I have my, just my three-year-old at home, 
And it is a game changer when you just have a toddler at home. Like, I know what it was like. My kids are all two years apart. So I had a toddler and I was experiencing all the toddler, right? All the meltdowns, all the trauma over. I just want goldfish for dinner. Why can't I? And the potty training and the, do we switch them to a big boy bed now? I don't know. Like all of that I experienced. I had a nursing baby and it's like, that's, you guys are, you guys are, you know, treading water right now. And I know that because I've been there and I'm not in that. Now, now this stage of life brings a whole nother set of challenges and joys, but I'm not there. I'm one step ahead and I can just say it gets better. Like some of you are like, it does good. And then some of you are like, oh, I think it's amazing. And, and it is, and it gets better. And so anyway, so that, that, that's, that's who I am. Um, we've been members at Watermark for a little over 12 years. I've had the privilege of being a part of the leadership team of the Nest for seven of those, and this is my, my heart and soul here. So I'm so like honored that y'all come and get something out of this ministry because um, this ministry just has meant so much to me. Um, anyway, so with that, we're going to get started. Okay, very good. Uh, we're going to get started. So how do we define identity? Um, how do we define identity? On your little handout, you guys have a lot of handouts. I'm so sorry, but I love handouts, so you got a lot. Um, on your handout that says Reclaim Identity, the first little opening there, there are so many ways we define ourselves. So I want you to take about 15 seconds, 30 seconds here, and um, fill in that blank. How would you, I just told you who I am. I'm a mother. I went to A&M, and I have kids, and I'm a mom, and I serve the nest, and I go to Watermark. So I kind of define myself a little bit, not fully, but a little bit. So how would you define yourself? If you were maybe in these shoes, talking to a group of people, you met someone for the first time, go. How would you define yourself? I'm not going to make you share it with everyone on stage, so don't have to make it perfect. Just general. Okay. So there are so many ways we define ourselves. Um, I, I, y'all, I'm not kidding you. I did a lot of research on this topic, and there's a lot of great illustrations out there. And, you know, I, I thought about having up here all the things that define me. And I, you know, I recently went, brought some stuff back from my mom's house. So I have my old letter jacket, right, athlete, and, and a scale. I've often, you know, I care about appearance. I care about what I look like. So that would be on there. And my favorite new invention in the whole wide world right now is dry shampoo. Anybody? Anybody? Love it. Thank you. I'm a big advocate for it. I thought about having that up here. Um, you know, I thought about... Um, having my Bible, because I, I really do love God's Word, um, and I also love serving in a church, and I love mentoring, and I love leading, and I love discipling, and so that's, that's something that's important to me. So I've had all these props, and then I thought about, you know, there's things like, like A&M, and, and where I'm from, and where I lived, and where I grew up, like all these things, right, that can define us. So there's all these things, but I didn't do any of that, um, because I just decided not to. Um, so what, who, what define, there's so many ways that define ourselves. And if you look online, like there's also like your financial identity, like that's a part, like you have a, you know, a social security number and a credit card number and all these things. But so many things define us, what we do, so how we spend our time, t- think titles, think if you work outside the home, titles, we're all moms in this room, so that's one of them, what we do, what we achieve, our accomplishments, our failures, think you know, if you're ever an MVP or a winner of something or academic, you know, think about the degrees or degree you might have or, or not have, you know, think about those things. Our accomplishments define us, um, our failures, you know, define us at times. Um, what we've done right and what we've done wrong can define who we are. Um, 
one of my ditches, what other people think of us, right, can define. I remember, I remember vividly still to this day in junior high when those, like, camera pants were in style, and I had them on with a big bellowy shirt, and I remember walking down the hallway at school, and this boy was like, you look like a whale today. <laughs> junior high, I mean, let's just all homeschool our kids in junior high, because they are just a wreck, like... From what I have heard, like, they're just this hormonal pool, and it's like, just don't let them be near each other, because they just, bad things happen. They say things like that. And I mean, that's something that in the back of my head has carried with me. Like, do I look like a whale in this? Like, truly, I'm 34. That was when I was what? I don't know. Um, Our appearance, you know, our clothes, our size, the number on the scale, the way we look, our status, where we live, how much money we make, you know, married, divorced, single, remarried, all those things. Like, so these are all things that can define us. Um, and, and the way we define ourselves exposes what we value. It's one of your blanks. The way we define ourselves exposes what we value. Um, a little heart confession here. I value, for me, being productive, super important. Um, being a good wife and a helpmate, like, it's really, really important to me for my husband to go, yeah, I'm married to a rock star. Like, that, that means a lot to me. Um, sometimes in a not a good way. Um, being a good mom, of course, I want to be a good mom. That's, a, that's something that's important to me. Um, being organized, being liked, ability to get along with most people, like that's something that's really important to me. I want to be liked and I want to like people. Being in shape, um, fitness, that's important. Um, a general feeling of feeling important, <laughs> I, I do. I, that's a value. That's something that um, I value is feeling important. So my to-do list, what that looks like for me is a to-do list, my calendar being full, those things, having things to do, makes me feel important. Um, being needed and being wanted by others, that makes me feel important. And one of, my, one of the titles I, I carry um, is I'm a coach for my little girl soccer team. So five-year-old kindergartners. And it is such a fun experience because these eight little girls, I mean, they see me. And so again, she's in kindergarten to school. And so when I show up to the school, they, they see me, Coach Allie, Coach Allie. I'm famous to these girls. Like I see them in the neighborhood. I see them at the store and they come to practice. They hug me. They, I get random during soccer practice. They will randomly come up and hug my leg and kiss me. Like, like I love it. And the parents are like, oh, you're so amazing with these girls. You're so good at this. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I love it. And like, I love these girls and I love that they love soccer and it's fun and they want to be there. And that, if I'm honest with you, that makes me feel really important to them. Like in this little world of eight little families, like I'm an important factor in their world. And that really makes me feel good about myself. Um, but, but where things, that's, I, th- I think that's okay. I've, I've been wrestling with this. Is that okay to find value in that? I don't know, to be real honest. But what I do know is I think too many times we let our worth be determined by those things. If they didn't like me, if one of those little girls decided she didn't like soccer anymore, does that, does that make me less worthy if they don't? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, if they don't like soccer anymore, when I let that define my worth, something has broken. Like, I can love it and I can love how they feel, but when... When they don't like it, I can't let that define me. My worth is found in that opinion, and that opinion is going to be fickle um, and fleeting because it changes. And so I think we let our worth be determined too many times by fleeting things. And we do that. um, When we do that, I think it's because those things have become idols. 
Um, in a book called Idols of the Heart, um, there's a quote in there. It says, an idol is anything we value more than God. You might want to write this down. I didn't put it in your notes. An idol is anything we value more than God. Idols are thoughts, desires, longings, expectations that we worship in place of the one true God. Idols cause us to ignore the true God in search of what we think we need. Um, I believe, I think, what I've been learning is your third little bullet there, I changed it. Scratch that all out. It says it's in this place of blank. No, 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 no. Third one. What we value becomes blank. Scratch all that out. I changed it. I didn't like that this morning. Um, And I changed it to this. Um, What we value becomes an idol when we let that determine our worth. I think I, yeah, we have it up here so you can catch it all. I think when what we value, all those things you wrote down in your little blank spot there, I I would imagine to say those things are important to you or you wouldn't have made your list. Like, because again, the way we define ourselves exposes what we value. So I imagine on that list are things that are important to you. And I think those things on that list, you can circle them and put on the side. Um, When my worth is determined by the success or failure of those things, that's when I think they have been elevated to a place where they should not be because our worth cannot be defined by those things. Um, All these things are good for me, what I shared with y'all. It's good to want to be a good wife and it's good to want to be a good mom and it's good that I want to stay in shape for my family and it's good, it's okay to want to be liked by people. I think that's an okay thing. But when we let the success or failure of those things determine our value, I think we've given them too much authority in our life. Um, Some days I won't be able to do it all. Some days I'm not going to be a good wife. Some days I'm not going to be a good mom. Some days I'll be unorganized and I'm going to forget something. And some days I won't, I won't be in shape at some point in my life. And I have, I have, that has been the case for me. Some days I will fail and someday someone's not going to like me. Um, and we know when our worth is being defined by the wrong things when we feel like this. And these are things that y'all shared with me on our Facebook page. Um, I should be able to blank. I must do it all, work, craft, teach at home, have dinner on the table, when my husband gets home, volunteer, and dress the part. I believe lies about my body and what I think I should look like. I am a bad mom because my kids are awesome because I'm a really good mom. Um, again, we know our worth is being defined by the wrong things when we feel this way. I do everything around here, and I'm good at it. I don't need anyone else to help me. My self-worth comes from people liking me and, with, and what they think about my outward appearance. If my kids are not making good choices, then I'm failing as a mother. Anybody resonating with these? Everyone else has it together. I shouldn't struggle the way that I do. I'm not good enough. I should have lost my baby weight by now. My company is not enjoyable. People would like me better if my appearance was more pleasing. They won't think I'm valuable once they really get to know me. Um, and I, I read those to y'all because I, I, I truly believe when our thoughts go there, and I, I might not have read anything that you resonate with, but I know there's something out there. I know there's something, a time when um, you have had a thought like that about yourself. Um, and I, I believe when, I believe our worth is being defined by those things, the wrong things is when we go to that place. Um, and I think it's in this place of weakness we need to, we need to get. Um, we, need to, we need to get to that place before we recognize how we can truly be strong. 
Um, for me, it was our third, our, my third child. He's not, my third child, frankly, has been our easiest child, but it was the third person, the third child, the fourth member, of the fifth member of the family that made me go, man, I cannot do all of this. Like something is always, you know, the ball, like you're dropping, like, you know, with number one and number two, like I felt like, I felt like I had it. I could do it for the most part. I experienced like, okay, I got this, you know, we can do this. And, and the third one is just been an all like came tumbling down. And again, not because of him, but just because that was a breaking point for me. Um, and it's all the things that came with that season of life. And it's in that place of weakness where I learned to be strong. And I learned to be strong by this verse, 2 Corinthians 12. I may cry through this. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that, so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, because with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are weak, that is when we become strong, because that's when we come to the end of ourselves and we realize we can't do it anymore. And when we're weak, then we go, God, I, I need you. I can't be an amazing mom and a good wife and, and work and do all the things that you guys do. Um, when we get to the point of weakness, I think that's when we be, can, can become strong. Um, and all of those things that define us no longer have to define us. Like whether we succeed or fail at them don't have to shape who we are. Our circumstances um, expose, like things that happen, like when we fail and when we succeed, it just reveals who we are. Um, it doesn't make or break us. You're not a terrible mom and it's the end of the world. Like, like our circumstances and the things that um, happen to us and whether we succeed or fail, whether people like me or not, whether I'm good at being a soccer coach or not, or my kids are, are behaving well because I'm a good mom and I've disciplined them accordingly. Like all those things, like like they don't make or break me. They just expose who I am. And so when we become weak, we get to really see who we are. And who we are are people that are desperately in need of a Savior. We're desperately, desperately in need of someone to tell us we are loved and it's going to be okay. And there's a greater plan and a greater purpose for us. And so today, again, we're reclaiming our identity. And so those things that, that, we, you know, that define us don't have to don't have to make us feel worthy or not if we're succeeding at them. And so who does he say that I am? He says, I am chosen. I am holy. I am blameless. I am forgiven. I have hope. I have purpose. I am sealed. I am a saint. I am God's coworker. I am God's workmanship. I am secure. I am completed. I am not alone. I am victorious. I am blameless. I am set free. I am no longer condemned. I am redeemed. I am qualified. I am loved. Um, there's more of those in, in your handouts, but those are a few of my favorites. And so who does Christ say we are? What this means, what all these things, what this means is we no longer, um, when you have trusted in Christ to save you from your sins, you are no longer captive by whether you succeed or fail and the thoughts you have after all of these things. Um, Rick Warren says in Embrace Your Identity, uh, an article he wrote, what this means is you abandon any image of yourself that is not from God. All those things I read that y'all posted, 
Any image of yourself that is not from God, you stop accepting what others have said about you, how others have labeled you, how you have defined yourself. You start believing what God has to say about you, that he is pleased with you as you are. He is pleased with you as you are. When I fail as a mother, when I fail as a wife, when I do something like my husband was going through a really difficult season in life, and I really thought I was helping him. I thought I was like number one helpmate of the year, to be really honest. I thought I was knocking it out of the park. And after the, that season of life um, came to a pause, it's not over, but it came to a pause, I realized when he, he, he told me in a very humbling moment, I don't, I don't feel safe with you right now. You're, the, the way you're helping me is, is not, it's not helping me. It's actually exhausting me. And I was like, oh, like major blow, right? And I'm like, I thought I was nailing it. Like, I'm looking up stuff to help you, and I'm having conversations with people to see how best to help you, and I feel like I'm doing this good because I'm involved, and I'm being a fixer. And, um, and it turns out I wasn't because what my husband needed was me to just be there to listen. Oh, dear. I'm going to spill spillage. Um, what my husband needed was me to sit there and um, to listen, to be compassionate, and to remind him that he's, that God's got this, and, and to not do basically what I was doing. And when you get to those moments, um, yeah, anyways, it, it's humbling. It breaks you, and it exposes who you are, and it's like, man, in that place, like, but I'm not defined by that. I'm not a failure now because of that moment in our marriage, um, it reveals who we are, our circumstances and what we've done right and wrong reveals who we are. Um, but it doesn't have to define me as a person. And so praise the Lord, God says, um, I'm set free and I'm safe and I'm no longer condemned and I'm redeemed and I'm victorious. Um, when you start believing what God has to say about you, that he is pleased with you, how he created you, that God defines you. We have to believe those things. And so I want us to watch this quick video here to let this sink in a little bit more. Who are you? What is your identity? What voices are you listening to? Let me explain. Do you ever find yourself thinking, I'm such a loser. I'm a fraud, I'm a failure, I'm so stupid, I can't do this. Do you ever look at other people and think, they are so much better than me? And do you ever look in the mirror and think, I am so ugly? Let me ask you, do you think that's the voice of the Lord Almighty talking? Or is that the voice of something or someone else? closely to what the Word of God says about you and your identity. It says that you belong to Him. That you are a child of the King, a disciple of the King. It says that you can approach Him in freedom and confidence. You have access to His throne. In fact, you are seated next to Him. The Word of God says that you are made righteous through Him and that you are loved by Him. Do you understand that? The Sovereign King accepts you. 
You are befriended by him, chosen by him, completed by him. You are united with him and you are his child. Because of that, you can spend eternity in his presence. Do you understand the fullness of that? You have been given everything by him. The word says you are healed by him, you're hidden in him, defended by him and guided by his holy presence. You are one with the creator of all things. You are one with the almighty God. You are one with him. You're established and anointed by him. You are his workmanship and he cherishes you. Listen to this. You have been given a spirit, not of fear, but of power and boldness and a sound mind. You cannot be separated from his love, which goes on and on and on. You are saved and sealed by him, sanctified and justified by him. You are redeemed. You are cleansed. You can live in peace and freedom, knowing that you are living in the grace of God, which he freely pours over your life. You can live in confidence, knowing that you were bought with his blood. You were buried and baptized into his death, and you've been raised up by him into his new life. You are made alive by the King. So don't cheat us out of your contribution. By living a life that is based on unhealthy self-perspective. Give us what you've got. Give us this new creation you are in Christ. Show us your true identity. placed our trust in Christ and Christ alone, we are a new creation. We are walking now in all of those things. We are now um, identified with Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, He has identified us as His own by placing His Holy Spirit in our hearts. So when we recognize that we get to a place of weakness and we recognize we're not enough and we can't do it all and we get to this place and we trust in Christ, and we recognize He's the provision of all of our sins, He washes all of that away, we now become labeled and identified with Him. And who is He? He is perfect. He is holy. He is blameless. He is righteous. He is, he is God Almighty. And we now get to clothe ourselves in that label, in that identity. But I think so often as, as Christians, um, we, we accept that grace and that truth and we trust in it for our salvation, but then we don't walk in it. We, we go back to old patterns, like a dog that returns to his vomit. We, we go back to old patterns and, and I do it, y'all. Like I do it too. Like, like and today's a day where I'm like, Lord, like it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of me besides you. Today's a day that, 
that I feel confident in who God has made me to be and, and confident in all these things because of him. But yesterday and later today and tomorrow, I might go, oh, I really wanted that person to like me. I really wish I wouldn't have done that. Man, if I just have my act together more and be a little bit more organized and I wouldn't drop that ball. Like we go there, like we've been washed, we've been cleansed, we are new, we are, we are who he is, we're all these things he claims we are in here, but, but yet we, like a dog, we return to our vomit. And so, um, so my question is, how do we reclaim that identity? How do we um, walk in the new identity that in Christ he has given us? You have a blank here. God's word says in Christ. And I want you to write down some words that have resonated with you, um, that have been shared in a video, things maybe I have read, um, if you, and, 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 we're, and this might be something you need to spend more time on later today, but, but the words you're hearing that resonate with you, I want you to write those down because in Christ, we are all these things. Um, so how, this is where y'all get to know me. Um, so how do we reclaim our identity? How do we now allow ourselves to be fully labeled by who he says we are and stop allowing ourselves to be defined by all these other things, our success and failure of these other things? Well, we're going to learn through my playlist. Um, you're supposed to laugh. Okay. Um, we're going to learn through my playlist, y'all. This is something that I have struggled with. I often, like I shared with y'all early, earlier, I like to feel valuable, and I feel valuable by feeling needed, and I feel valuable when um, I'm productive and all these things. And there's times I'm not. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good wife. And da, 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 da. And so I, I have to remind myself of God's words. And so how do we reclaim our identity? Well, we're going to do it through my, my, my playlist. And so on my phone, I have this identity soundtrack, this playlist if you're an iPhone person. And it has songs that remind me of who I am in Christ and what I should do if I'm walking according to his spirit and living by his word. And so... The first song is Oceans. It's by Shane and Shane. And, or, well, it's probably by somebody else, but they do a cover of it, and it's awesome. And in it, it says, I call upon you and keep my eyes above the ways. I am yours and you are mine. And so the first way we reclaim our identity is we call upon him. We have to, if we trust in him, believe in him, and we have to call to him and say, God, I know I've been identified as your own, your spirit is in me. And so now I am all these amazing things that you tell me I am in your word, but I'm not feeling it right now. Um, my eyes are, I'm, I'm drowning. Uh, help me to keep my eyes above the ways. I am yours, you are mine. Um, and how we, we call upon him and then we ask him, we say, and my another favorite song is Here's My Heart, Lord. And it's by, I think, David Crowder. And um, in there and in, in, in this, we have to speak. He says, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. Here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. And so to reclaim our identity, we have to call upon him first, and then we need to speak what is true to our hearts. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, if any of, there's anything worthy of your praise, worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So we have to um, refeed our minds. And so what we feed ourselves eventually comes out of us. What we put in our minds will eventually become our thoughts, will eventually become our actions and our words, and it comes out of us. And so we have to refeed ourselves. And we're in a place of, it really hurts that, um, you know, I, I dropped the ball with my husband and I wasn't 
what he needed. Um, and I began to think, man, if only I would have and I should have and blah, 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 blah. I'm a failure because of that. Like when I get there, I need to go, whoa, 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 hold the phone. Like, who does God say I am? And we have to retrain our minds to think about what's true. And in this song, um, I wanted to play all of these songs for y'all, to be real honest, but then that was a little overkill, so we didn't. Um, It says, what is true? I am found, I am yours, I am loved, I am made pure. I have life, I can breathe, I am healed, I am free. You are strong because you are sure, because you are life, you endure, you are good. You are always true. You are here. You are love. You are hope. You are grace. You are all I have. You are everything. And so I have a playlist and I sing that over me because my mind goes to where I'm not any good. And so I sing these uh, these words of truth over me. Um, In in your your massive amounts of handouts, there's a couple of things that I would like y'all to spend time on over the next couple of weeks. One is um, this long list of in the... in God's word, he says, in Christ, I am. Um, it's a long list. I want you to spend some time on those this week. Um, retrain your mind. Think of the things that you um, that define you and you find your value in. And let's start rewriting our minds to think of the things that who, what God says that I am. And so there's that as a resource. There's also this great article by John Piper, The Stupendous Reality of Being in Christ, That's something you can, again, spend a quiet time on um, or spend time in God's Word reviewing. Um, There's a chart in there, lies versus truth. Um, I I want you all to read through those and and spend some time rewiring your brain. Again, what we put in comes out. And so if we're putting in our minds fitness magazines and um, certain shows we watch and HGTV and whatever Pinterest, whatever's out there, that we should be all these things. I should do Pinterest-worthy projects with my children, and I should look like this, and I should whatever. Like, we say that to ourselves. Um, Think of all those things, and then go here and see what he has to say. So we have to um, rewire our brains. Um, There's another song, Rock of Ages. Um, It's my, my heart and soul. It says, It's not the labor of my hands. Thou must save and save alone. Let me hide myself in thee. And so when we are struggling with our identity, when we are letting the voices of this world define us and we find ourselves in a place of weakness and sorrow, um, we need to remind ourselves of truth and, um, and that, you know, that, that we need him and that we need to hide ourselves in him and who he has made us to be. Um, and then another song in my playlist is this song called Awake My Soul. It's by Mumford & Sons. And in there, he says, How fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes. My heart stumbles on things I don't know. My weaknesses I must finally show. Um, one of the steps, I think, to reclaiming our identity after we've um, done these other things, called on him, we rewire our, our brain, speak what is true, I think we have to confess to trusted friends. Um, I think we, we need to start with the thoughts at the, at the confession level, at the thought level. Like, hey guys, trusted friends, I mean people that will point you back to truth. Um, people that you can trust this information to and say, hey, today I'm, I'm finding, I feel like a failure because of X, Y, or Z. Or today, all these things y'all shared with me on Facebook. Like, today I'm, I feel like I'm really knocking it out of the park and I'm, as a mom and I think it's because of me. Um, 
today I, I don't, I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm not good enough for my husband and my kids and my friends. Like we got to tell people this stuff. We got to let them into our brains. That's really scary because I know I have thoughts about my life and things that I'm embarrassed that I have. Um, but, but I think true freedom that God speaks of when we're in his word comes when we begin to, um, we begin to confess. And so I think a big step is confessing to our friends because um, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our hearts are desperately sick. Who can understand it? We are fickle and, and woozy, y'all, and we need to expose who we are to other people that can point us back to Christ. Um, uh, yeah, and so here, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, we confess to our trusted friends that will point us back to Christ. Um, we are, I, I think, ladies, and I want to take a minute here to talk about this. When we, when we tell friends and when friends... If you're in a community, in Watermark, I know a lot of us don't go to Watermark here. Um, we talk about community groups, and those are just small groups that we're committed to that we kind of, we accountability, we go to them, we talk to them, and we tell them, confess our, our sins, and we praise each other. Not praise each other. Um, we, we work to, you know, we, we work out our stuff together, right? I'm struggling here. Um, anyways, and so we uh, confess to our friends. I think we need to improve upon this process a little bit. I think as a general, in our culture and Christianity, especially at a church that provides so many amazing resources to find healing. We tend to, I'm going to take a minute here to kind of coach us through how do we, how do we um, accept if somebody comes to us, like, hey, I'm feeling this way. What do we do with that? I think too often um, we are quick to dismiss people's thoughts and feelings. We invalidate them and we try to solve their problems. I think um, too quickly we, um, we need to be more compassionate is what I'm trying to say. And what I'm trying to say is if, if you happen to be in a position where someone comes to you and shares like, hey, here's my heart and here's all the nonsense I'm thinking, blah, um, we, we need to show more compassion. Like we tend to go, oh, you, no, stop it. It's fine. You're not that way. And we kind of dismiss it. And, or we start talking about ourselves. Oh, girl, I remember the time that I did blah, 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 blah. And I think that's part of being a girl. Sometimes we do that and that's okay. But um, sometimes it's not okay, and we need to not make everything about ourselves. Um, I think that we need to not turn the conversations around to ourselves all the time. I think we need to show more compassion, and compassion looks like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way right now, and, and I can see how you would feel that way. And, um, and then we say, but do you know that's not true? Like God says fill in the blank. And we remind them of truth and, and we remind them of, um, of who he is and who God says we are. And Job, um, so if anybody's familiar with the story of Job, Job is this amazing man of God who trusts in God with everything and, uh, trusts God with all things. And then, um, God allows for that to be proven. And he, and he takes, if you read Job, it's just like, oh my gosh, like everything gets taken from him. Everything is stripped of him his health, his family, his belongings, his business, it all gets taken away. Everything that defined him is gone and he's left with nothing. And, um, and he still praises God right in this. But in this, when this is happening, Job's friends come to him. They heard of the tragedy he was suffering and they got together and they traveled to their homes and they comforted him and they consoled him. This is from God's word here. Um, and they wailed out, lied with them. They tore their robes and they threw dust over their heads and they showed their grief as you do. They sat on the ground for seven days and seven nights and just felt it with them. 
right? And we need to do that more. We need to go, I'm so sorry that you're experiencing that and feel it with them. Understand the shoes they're in, put ourselves there and experience it. And we need to pray with them. We need to speak truth, not opinion. And we need to point them back to truth. Um, A funny antidotal story, is that a word? Uh, my friend, um, she was in the middle, uh, Marissa, she's here somewhere. You know, she's in, where'd she go? She's right here. She, you know, she was in the middle of potty training her little sweetie, her second child. And, um, you know, three-day potty training method was taking like 30 days. And it wasn't going well. And it's just, oh, what do I do? Like, do I, do I stop? Do I go back to diapers? Do I go back to pull-ups? Do I not? Like, oh my gosh, the accent's exhausting me. Da, 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 da. And she, you know, she's texting the, our community group girls, and it's like, I pick up the phone, and I was like, oh my gosh, that sucks. Like, ah, I hate that. And just kind of lamented with her. I didn't suggest she go to Regen for it, and I didn't suggest she, um, you know, I, I didn't suggest she go to some program or read this book or have you tried this? I mean, we did that a little bit. I was like, well, are you like, you know, I, we did that a little bit, but I didn't. I just kind of felt it with her. It stunk, you know, and all kids are different, and you don't know. And so anyways, that's what I'm talking about. We just kind of get in there with them. Um, we need to just kind of get in there with people and be, um, be true. Uh, my, my people, uh, my community group girl, girls and the women in my life, the leadership team of the nest and, and some friends at my kids' school that love the Lord, um, at times I've been captivated, captivated, like, owned by wondering what other people think of me, like in a way that's debilitating me, like, like consuming me. Like I, I think like, what, what do they think about me? Like they said this and do you think they meant that? And they said this in this text and this email exchange and I replay interactions in my head and owned me and I, and I confess it to them. And when I confess it to them, it no longer has power over me. And those trusted friends have pointed me back to Christ every time. Um, they would remind me of truth. They didn't laugh at me. They didn't make fun of me. They didn't go, oh, Allison, stop it. Like, like they, they listened and they made me feel validated for the stupidness that was happening in my head and the lies I was believing. They made me feel validated. Um, Ashley Thomason, please go to training gown. Everything's okay. That was really helpful to say everything's okay because you never know what, you know? In your head? You never know. That's awesome. Were y'all waving me down back there? Maybe no. Okay. Um, you're lamenting. Lament with her. Let's lament. Um, anyway, so confess to your trusted friends. And friends, if people do that, just, you know, treat them with kindness and let them know that they're not the only ones. Because I know all of y'all, all of y'all have had these thoughts before. Maybe not as severe as mine. And then the next thing, y'all, I'm really, okay. So music means a lot to me, like a lot to me. And because and what we feel, are, my mind goes cuckoo. And, and so what we feed ourselves comes out. And so um, I'm a little embarrassed to be doing this right now, but I think I'm going to. Um, it means a lot to me. And so like I have it playing constantly. God, like especially songs that remind me of God's truth in my house all the time, in my car all the time. That's why I have a playlist called Identity. And all these songs are on it. And one of the songs is our next step is... It's make war, ladies. We've got to make war. Um, and we're, we're going to appreciate this song in its fullness by listening to it right now. Thank you, those that know it. Um, you need to understand something really quick. So, like, um, music means a lot to me. It resonates with my soul. It reminds me who I am in Christ, especially the song. But, yeah, I'm not, like, 
like this song I think is old. I might be a few years old. Anybody? Anybody know? But it really means a lot to me. And, um, and I tend to be like, we have a friend in our group that um, spends a lot of time with the young adults of this church. And so he's really hip and he's really on top of things. And like this summer, he sends us a video of his son doing the whip nay-nay. Anybody know what that is? And Marshall and I get this video and we're like, what is, what is he saying? Like, it's, he's like three and so, you know, the speech isn't all that clear. And like, what? Nah, nah, nah. Like, what? And we're looking at it and then we're like, what is he saying? And he's like, oh my gosh, for the love. And he sends us this other video of the song with Nene. And then there's this, what is it? Heaven, heaven is the girl's name. There's this girl, this four-year-old doing the song, singing it. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I don't understand. And Anyways, and he's like, oh, my gosh, you killed me. You know, Sarita's like, oh, you're so not, like, cool and with it. And I'm like, I know I'm not. And so, anyways, this song, Make War, might be really old. And I'm a little embarrassed because there's a part of me that's, like, loves rap music still. I used to wear Shaquille O'Neal basketball jerseys when I was in junior high, y'all. Um, I love it. And so, anyways, we're going to listen to it. And I want you guys to fully appreciate the fullness of the truth in this song. Are you ready? Because brace yourself. Here we go. Okay, we're going to, I mean, I can jam out this whole time. Y'all, the next step is make war. You've got to make war on the lies that are in your head. You've got to make war on these thoughts that are not from Christ. Anything that defines you, anything that you're finding value in that is not of God, of Christ, and when he says you are, you've got to fight it. You've got to, oh my gosh, there's so much in that. Um, fight like it was after school, ladies. Um, never get out of Make war. Like our men are just the ones that go to war. Like we got to too. Like we are the, the home of our home. Like we are the next in command at our houses. Like, like we have got to, we've, we, we've got to do it. We've got to fight. We've got to make war. Like I love how it says the same old trap. We fall like we're defenseless. Sin never sleeps. It's got me in a trance. I beat my chest. I've got to make war. We got, we're free. So act like it, dang it. You know, like, like all those things that captivate you. And maybe I'm preaching to myself right now, but my thought life gets me at times. Like the enemy gets in there and he says things that are just a little bit off. He doesn't parade around like a, in a red suit with a pitchfork. He's not clearly obvious. I mean, sometimes he is, but it's not always. And he gets in there and he twists things and he puts these thoughts and these seeds in your head and you're not good enough and and you should have done this and we should ourselves, right? We should ourselves. And I should have, I should have, I should have, right? Come on, thank you. We do that. And and we got to stop. Like we have to call a spade a spade. Like that is a lie. And we've got to make war, people. Beat your chest. First Corinthians 9, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad this isn't video recorded because I would be like, oh, dear my Jesus. Like, ooh, take her off the stage. Um, okay. First Corinthians 9, I don't even know where I'm at. Okay. First Corinthians 9, 27. I discipline my body like an athlete training, training it into what, what, what is, I can't read my handwriting. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it into do what it should. We've got to make war. We've got to fight, ladies, these lies. And we fight these lies by doing what I said earlier in these first few steps. Okay? That's part of it. Um, And then, ladies, uh, and then, ladies, we need the next song in my playlist. Again, this all wisdom right here, all of it, all these songs. Um, 
The next song on my playlist is a little song by um, Zach Brown, anybody? And it's, uh, where did it go? On my notes here. Where am I? Y'all, so sorry. This is really embarrassing. Um, uh, we were making war. I got so excited. The next song on my playlist, let me just, oh, Where the Boat Go Leaves From, anybody? It's a country song. I'm sorry. And it's not Christian. He says, Where the Boat Leaves From, I've Got to Go. And in this song, he said, oh, here it is. Um, so the song makes me think of vacation, and it makes me think of taking a break from normal life and doing things differently. And so what I'm getting at, the whole point of that whole situation right there, is like we have got to then move on. We have got to vacate. We have got to let go of the old lies, replace them with truth, and we've got to move on and um, not let ourselves get entangled by this stuff. We're forgiven, Romans 8, 1, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Dang it. Live like it. Like, we've got to just move on. Like, we've got to just move on. Um, and so, now we're going to come to a time where um, I need to speed up. Um, and I'm going to share with you guys. You're, you think we're done because your notes are done, but, but we're not. Um, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit of my personal journey. And so, I'm speaking from a place of experiencing and learning who God says I am is more important than everything and I'm going to share with you a little bit of my brain and what the things I struggle with and what um, I have learned in those truths. Because when I asked you guys, hey, what lies do you believe when you don't remember who Christ says you are? Um, everything you all said, I've thought to on our Facebook page. And so um, we're going to address some of those issues because I think you guys need to hear truth today. Again, part of making war is um, replacing the lies with the truth. And we need to fill ourselves up with some good stuff here. And so... One of the lies that I tend to believe and I fight regularly is that what others, others think of me is more important than what he thinks of me. The Bible is very clear. Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do it heartily for the Lord, not for man. Romans 14, 8, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whatever we do, live or die, we are the Lord's. Ephesians 6 and 7, 6, 6 and 7 not by way of eye service or as men pleasers, but as slaves to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, we render service as to the Lord and not man. It is very clear in Scripture that we are not to live a life um, except for the, once we, once we are in Christ, right? Once we have identified with Christ, we believe and trust in Him and He is our salvation, then now we live for an audience of one. One, the one true God. That's our audience, not what every, everything else. And so for me, those verses were important to me. Also, a book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's by Timothy Keller. Um, and he quotes in, from Mere Christianity in this book. He says, If we were to meet a truly humble person, we would never come away thinking they were humble. They would not be always telling us they were a nobody because a person who keeps saying they're a nobody is actually obsessed with themselves. The thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the essence of being gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or less of myself, it's thinking of myself less. So one of the ways I had to retrain my brain was to just think about myself less and think about others more. Um, I stopped connecting every experience, every conversation with me. Um, and there is a blessed rest that only comes from when we forget about ourselves and not neglect ourselves. I did not say those are not the same word. 
we just forget about us in that moment. I walk into a room and it's not about, oh, who do I know? Who do I see? Like, oh, okay, I'm going to go sit with him. It's about, it's about everyone else. It's not about me. Um, in essence, when you stop thinking about ourselves, start focusing more on others. Don't make everything about you. Love because he loved us first. And so another lie that as I constantly am fighting in my head is to feel important means I have to accomplish something important. Um, if I, um, I, I remembered, I, ha- I had to, in this season, when, as I've been learning this, I feel important meant I have to accomplish something important. I had to reprioritize my priority. Like, what are my priorities? My priorities are, priorities are God, my husband, my children, and everything else falls under that. Everything else is lumped in this category of everything. And so I had, um, in order to know that, um, in order to retrain my brain that I'm not important just because I accomplished something important. So for me, like, you know, those days, you know I'm talking about those days where you had all these things you wanted to do and this, that, and the other, and it didn't happen, you know, just things fell apart. Um, Anyways, like, we have to remind ourselves that, um, anyways, those things don't determine if we're important or not. Whether we succeed or fail or whether we accomplish great things or whatever, doesn't doesn't matter. What matters is Him. And in order for me to remember that all that matters is what God says of me, I had to remember these verses helped me. John 15, 14, remain in me, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That was for my marriage. Um, so the first verse was like for me to remember that God, I need to remain in him first. Second one about my marriage, um, to keep that a priority, you know, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Like God is serious about our marriages. Serious. He takes them very seriously. In scripture, what does he use in his example of God's love for us is, is marriage. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, which means you, you lay down your life for her, right? So God in Scripture uses marriage to illustrate the picture of his love for us. He takes it seriously. So we've, we've got to take it seriously, our marriages, y'all. Um, I had to remember that, you know, again, God first and my marriage and then my children, that they're important. Um, and, you know, Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift of the Lord. Um, and all of these things, uh, in Deuteronomy 6, um, he says, uh, these words which I'm commanding you today, which were, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, um, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and on your forehead, and just run them on the doorpost of your house. Like, he's like, this is the crap that's important. It's not crap. This is a, the stuff. Like, he's saying, this is what's important. Yoo-hoo! Like, make everything, like, like, we need to take this for real. And so what I learned is, like, I find value. I like feeling important, and I like feeling important when I have to do important things. But when you have little kids at home, like, that's the important thing. Your relationship with the Lord, your marriage, and your kids, those are important things, and those things take time. And they take energy and you need rest and you need to remain in him so he can remain in you so you can give to your toddler that's, you know, flipping out about his shoelaces. You know, like you've got, you, you, do you see what I'm saying here? Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and all these things, like doing this Deuteronomy 6, this passage is overwhelming and it takes time and energy. 
Um, and so when I'm being ruled by my calendar and my to-do list, and which again, for me, that my to-do list and my calendar make me feel important when there's things to do and I'm crossing things off and I got this list, like that makes me feel important. And, um, and when that is ruling me, then I have, then all my priorities are out of whack. Like to, to take care of our marriages and our relationship with the Lord and our, and our children, like it takes time, y'all. And I think some of us need to say no a little bit more. And I think some of us need to say yes a little bit more. I don't know which one you are, but you need to spend time figuring that out. But I think we just need to reevaluate because everything costs something. Having a good marriage takes time. It doesn't just happen, y'all. I've been married for a little over 10 years. And I married... um, I married the man of my dreams. And I'm not talking about like, um, he's handsome and he's amazing, but I'm not talking like this vision of like, oh, my Prince Charming would look like this. I'm saying I married a man that loved the Lord. We were pure until we were married. And we did, we did dating and walking with the Lord and all of that as, as we had mentors in our life. And by God's grace, we listened to them and we were walking with the Lord and biting with him when we were dating and so we, for the most part, did all engagement and got married in a way that I, I truly feel was Christ-honoring. Again, by God's grace, he allowed us to have people that guided us and shepherded us and taught us how to do it. So our marriage, when we got married, everyone celebrated. Like, like when we started, we were friends for like three and a half years before we started dating. And when we finally started dating, all of our friends were like, finally, y'all are dating, you get it. Like, we've all known this is meant to be and y'all are over here still being friends, you know? And so like they celebrated when we got, when we started dating. And when we got engaged, everyone was like, finally, you're engaged. Like, oh my gosh, it's about time, you know? When we got married, it was a party. Like everyone was happy we were together, right? And all of that, marriage has still been hard. There's still been times that like, my ditch is, is in Genesis 1 there when, the curse happens and the first sin happens. And he said, hey, women, your ditch is going to be, you know, labor or pain in childbirth. And you're going to always want your husband's role. That's me. Like, like I always am fighting to be in charge. I'm always in fighting, fighting for control. And I'm not, not, not literally fighting him for control, you know, but I'm like, that's, that's the heart, the heart thing happening in me is like, like I want to be in control. And y'all, we, we, like I said, like, Anyways, marriage was hard. I'm so tangenting. It takes time. Um, and so it takes time and energy. And I think um, we have to recognize that everything costs us something. It's not this just time slot on your calendar. So like, like for me, like for instance, when we were um, choosing our kids play soccer, right? Two kids play soccer. It's not just the five to six or six to 7 p.m. practice in the game on Saturday. It's It's everything else that goes into that. It's okay. That means we have to leave the house by this time. And that means that since daddy and I both coach the kids at the same time, everybody has to go. That means everybody needs to have a snack so there's no melting down. That means everybody needs to get their shin guards on their shoe. Like, like, so that whole journey starts at 4 p.m. because we got to get homework done early enough so then everyone can have a snack so then everyone can get ready so then we can get to practice and then after practice we coach so then we pick up everything and then we get home and that means we have a later dinner and that means the kids go to bed a little bit later which means the next morning they're a little bit more tired so they sleep in a little bit more. Like, so it costs more than just the time slot. And I think we as women need to recognize some of us that are 
similar to me that are very task oriented and find value in feeling important. And so this, we fill our calendars with important things. We need to just recognize that those things cost more than we probably realize. And we need to just make um, adjustments. So if that's you, hopefully that blessed you. Um, I read two books during the season of my life to help me understand, wow, I really like feeling important. And that makes me say yes way too much than I should. And so how do I course correct here? Like, what do I do? I read two books, Hands-Free Mama and The Best Yes. All the books I've mentioned, I have on the stage up here. So you can come up here and just snap a picture afterwards if you want. Um, Two books. And um, in, I don't remember if it's February or March, but coming up in the spring, Holly Barnett is specifically going to talk about reclaiming our reality. And this is all she's going to talk about. She's going to talk about our life stage here and how we need to reclaim the reality of what it is. And she's going to unpack all sorts of amazing tips and tricks and things to help you know all of this. And so, um, yeah, so anyways, um, another lie that I believe, moving on, another lie that I believe is that I have to be a perfect wife. I shared with you earlier a story that I'm, I clearly haven't been the perfect wife. Um, and I've just learned in that season, the truth that I've had to remind myself is that, um, one, I just have to get over myself, that um, when I mess up, when I make mistakes, I, when, I, when our marriage is, is you know, our, our community group guys, they, they do this thing like the night before they meet. They rate things. They rate their walk with the Lord. They rate their marriages. They rate how they're doing as a dad. They rate things. And, um, and Marshall shared with me one time, he's like, I rated our marriage a five. And I was like, what? Like, we're totally an eight right now. What are you talking about? And I, I didn't do that. I actually was like, what? Why, why would you say that? Like, that was like devastating me. And I was like, what does that mean? And what does that say about me? And why would you say that? And why is that? And, and, you know, and I'm just like, it all becomes about me. I'm like, oh, I should have been doing this and I should have been doing that. And he's like, would you just stop it? Like, it is what it is. Like, we're going to fix it. It's going to be okay, but it's not about me. And so I had to learn to get over myself. Um, I had to learn to draw a circle around me and I can only control what's inside the circle. And then I have to remember I'm forgiven and I need to move on. Right. And I need to course correct and move on. Um, the, I promise I'm finishing up here. Um, the last, is it the last? Yeah. Um, another lie that I believe is that I, to be beautiful meant that I needed to be the size I was prior to having children. Um, prior to having children, I was in the fitness industry and I worked at a fitness club, not as an instructor or anything, but as a, I kind of was on the business side of this fitness facility. And so like, this was my life, athletics and exercise and those are my people, like exercise, physical, all that stuff was my world. Like I knew a lot about it. And so um, I worked at a gym, y'all. So, I mean, I had time for that stuff. And um, anyways, and so I, after having three children, um, things look a little differently. Um, me, me, like I look differently. Thank you for laughing. Rachel's the only one. Um, you know, so after I, I realized, I began to realize that to be beautiful meant I had to be the size I was before kids. And so I had to, I had to fill my mind with God's word and truth in order to correct that. And First Peter three, he says, "Do not let adorning your adorning do not your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and clothing you wear, um, but let your adorning um, your beauty is another word there. Your beauty be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious." In Proverbs thirty one thirty, it says, "Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised." So God says, "Beauty." is not the way I look on the outside, but it's the way I look on the inside. 
And, um, and I had to fix that in my brain. There was something broken at times. And I'm not saying all the time, and I'm not saying I'm perfect now, but I'm saying, like, I had to fix that brokenness. I would go to put on clothes that didn't fit like they did after having children. And, and at times it would devastate me. At times it would make me feel like, ugh, ugh, you know, I'm so ugly. I remember praying, God, would you just help me lose 15 pounds? And I really feel like I would feel good about myself if I did that. Like, please help me. And it's like, God, so dumb. Like, anyways, I just, I would. And so um, I was saying a lot for the, in the last couple of months, for the first time in four years of my life, I can look in the mirror and, um, and I feel content. Um, and it's not because um, I lost weight, um, although I have a little bit. It has, it's not because of that. It's not because, um, you know, things, something's changed. It's because I've learned to be content. And I've learned to be content with my body um, because contentment is a choice, not the outcome of finally getting what you want. It's a choice. And Philippians 4 is powerful, and it says, um, Paul is writing, Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know how to get along in humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. I, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. I've learned both having an abundance and suffering need, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is on my letter jacket in high school because I was in jock and I was like yeah I can do all things through Christ like I can win this soccer game and I can bench press this and I can you know that's not what it means like what that verse means is um finding the secret of living in want and living in plenty feeling um like what he what he said there um being filled and going hungry both living in abundance and suffering the the secret of being content is I can be content through Christ because of him um, contentment, I can find contentment in all things through him who gives me the strength to, to, to do so. Contentment is sacrificially laying down your dissatisfaction and replacing it with gratitude. You can be satisfied in your tears and in your disappointments because the Spirit can fill us full in the midst of need. Um, there's an example in Acts where Paul and Silas have been thrown in jail. And I'm sure it's an uncomfortable thing being in jail. And despite being in jail, they started praising God. They worshiped through their fear, knowing God had called them to this place. They hungered for their father, and he satisfied them even in their chains. So even in disappointment and, and discouragement and wishing I looked differently, I found contentment because I chose it. Because I chose to believe what God's word said. And God's word says you are beautiful because of who you are inside. That's what matters most. Get it in your heads, ladies. Um, and I also learned when I'm struggling with this area, I don't try on my old clothes. I don't read fitness magazines. Um, I just got to protect what goes in my head. Because what you feed yourself comes out in your thought life. So fix what you're feeding yourself. Um, Another lie I believed is that others needing me or wanting me meant I was important. Um, I had to remind myself in order to correct this view, um, I needed to remind myself that my importance was not bound up in those things. Um, all those pages of who Christ says you are, that's, that's what makes me valuable and worthy is him who says all those things about me. So I had to put all that in my head. And I had to, I had to list, limit my social media time. At times I had to avoid it altogether because um, 
um, when I would see other people uh, doing things together and I wasn't a part of it, it hurt at times, not all the time, but at sometimes. Um, and so I had to remember, because again, one of my ditches is I like to feel important and I feel important when I'm needed or I'm wanted. So when I'm not needed or I'm not wanted, that meant I'm not important. And then I would go to this place of like despair, right? And so I'd have to course correct. Um, I'd have to, I'd try, you know, again, I, I had to, to, to fix this. One of the things I did, well, the list, you know, we went over, um, but I, I confessed it to my friends that I, that trusted it. And in certain, when I say confess to trusted friends, like, um, I would tell them these things. And some of them, you know, it was to them that I felt insecure with. It was times when, like, um, one of the things I wrote down was, um, one time our sweet friends were moving, and I was like, hey, let me watch your kids if you need help while you're moving. Like, I'd love to do that. And then, um, you know, they, I found out that their kids were going with somebody else. And, and the sickness of my brain, y'all, like when I was, twi- how, how the enemy twisted that was, oh, she doesn't want you to watch her kids because she doesn't trust you, which means she doesn't like you, and she's really pretending, you know. And I'm like, God, that is not right. I know it. Like, I know, I know, I know that's not what's happening here, but I couldn't shake it. Like, I couldn't correct that thought pattern. So I called her because I love her, and I, she loves me, and I trust her. And I just said, hey, like, when I found out that, you know, so-and-so had your kids and said, like, I just confessed to you, like, it made me feel like you don't trust me with your kids. And, of course, she's like, oh, my gosh, no. And totally, you know, we had this moment, and we cried, and it was great, and she did validate our friendship. But um, sometimes you have to do that. I would say be, um, so sometimes we have to tell people those things because um, it helps when we, again, confession helps. We get that out, and then the truth can be revealed and exposed. And so that's something I had to do. And lastly, my worth is often defined by how smoothly things go. Sometimes I allow my worth to be defined by how smoothly things go in our family. I like things being smooth. I like things going just so. Um, da, 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 da. Like that brings me like joy, y'all. Like inexplicable joy. And the problem with that is when I'm not in the right frame of mind and when I'm not believing who Christ says I am, um, I then like fall apart when it doesn't go right. And so Halloween night, um, everything fell apart. It all went wrong, all of it. Like my parents were in town and the kids wanted to meet up with their friends. And then there was this big party happening. All of their friends were going to this big pre-party. And the na- we live in a neighborhood where everyone walks to school and everyone walks everywhere. So it's like, oh, everyone's going to start at this house and do a little pre-party. And then we're all going to go together. And I'm like, oh, I hate, like, every- like 40 families, y'all, the kids. Like, that is nothing I want to do. Like, I will have you over for dinner and love it all day long. But, like, going to a house full of everyone has at least two to three kids, 40 of them, 40, like, nothing in me wants to do that. And so, but I was like, okay, let's do it. The kids want to be with their friends. It'll be great. Open the door, and it is chaos, beautiful chaos, because the lady that hosted, you know, is got it all together or it seemed she did, and, you know, everything, all these drinks and all these friends, everyone, and everyone's having a grand old time, and they're all socializing. I open the door, and I'm like, I see two people I know, two people I know, and they're all talking to each other, and, and okay, and my parents don't know anybody because they're in town. They're not from here, and my kids run off to their friends, and I'm in this house. I don't know where my kids are. I have three of them. Then I've forgotten my precious sister-in-law. We were meeting to trick-or-treat, and so she's like, where are y'all at the meeting point we were supposed to rendezvous at, and we're not there, so my husband takes off to go get them, and I'm stuck here in this place, and I'm like, I want to leave, I want to leave, I want to leave, you know, and so anyways, all that being said, we get out of there, we do our trick-or-treating, we get home, 
And the whole time, the whole night, the next morning, I'm like, I should have myself. I should have done this. I should have said no. You know, I should have said no. We should have not done that. Why did I care so much? And, oh, you know, oh, I'm a failure of a wife, mom. Like, oh, like I did that. Just Sunday, y'all, just Sunday. And so um, what do I do? I've learned all of this. I've learned, okay, God, you don't, I'm not defined by any of that. Like, you love me. That's what matters most. My family doesn't hate me. Everyone's alive. They had a blast. You know, they had a blast. My parents don't, you know, they probably were like, oh, my gosh, why did we have to do this, Allison? Here we go. But they don't hate me because of it. Like, I just kind of got there. And um, things did not go smoothly. And remember, I like things going smoothly. And so I confessed to my husband. I confessed to my community, my community, the leadership team here. You know, I tell them, and I'm not kidding you. The text messages, the phone calls, the emails of scripture and prayer and reminders of truth. I went to our, um, our elementary school. It's called Bowie, and there's a prayer meeting happened to be this Monday after all of this. And I break down in the prayer meeting because I'm just being owned by, like, why didn't I? It's all my fault. And they're like, move on, sister friend. Like, you are not. Who cares that Halloween didn't go well? It's over and done with. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, oh my gosh, here I am. So anyways, I, t- I tell all of y'all that because um, I hope it resonates with you and I hope you learned something. Um, because who he says we are matters more than anything else that we define ourselves by. And that's your number one takeaway. Who he says you are in Christ is more important than anything else that you let define you. And so I hope you take some of this stuff, you sit on it, you listen to it, and, um, and you dwell on it. 